A lot happened since I left for vacation two weeks ago. The US got downgraded, some US banks got downgraded as well, stock and bond markets sold off and crude oil rallied. So today, the latest US CPI data could actually shake the Federal Reserve expectations across the board, but no interest rate hike is expected in September meeting, at least for now. So welcome, this is Swiss Codes Daily Market Talk. So a few important things happened while I was off on a beach somewhere in southern Turkey over the past few weeks. It was great, it was great, it was really relaxing. But first, the Bank of Japan just waited for me to leave on vacation to relax their yield curve control strategy. So that move was not a big, big step for humanity, obviously, but it was quite a big one for the Bank of Japan as it served as a sign, an indication that the Bank of Japan is now getting ready to do more more to normalize its ultra-supportive monetary policy. So the dollar-yen tipped a toe below the 140 psychological mark, but it is rising since then. So this morning, the pair is just above the 144 level yet again on a stronger dollar demand across the board. And not many, many investors out there expect the Bank of Japan to hike its interest rates this year. But you know what? You never know. Japanese like to surprise the markets, not like the Federal Reserve or the Bank of England, which both hiked their interest rates by 25 basis points lately. So we of course continued hearing that the Federal Reserve should or could hike its interest rates more to make sure that inflation in US comes down toward the 2% policy target and to push the US economy into recession to achieve that 2% inflation target. So due today, the latest US inflation figures will give us a hint on what to expect from the Fed at the next policy meeting. And according to activity on Fed funds futures, well, the Federal Reserve is expected to keep the interest rates steady with more than 85% chance in a September FOMC meeting. Now, last week's good news in terms of economic data was that the latest NFP number in the US came in softer than expected, but, but, but the way just came in hotter than penciled in by analysts, while Barbie movie sales surpassed 1 trillion US dollars as a warning that while the services inflation in the US may have not eased as much as hoped by analysts, at least for now. But the San Francisco Fed published a note recently suggesting that shelter prices in the US could actually see significant disinflation or deflation in the months ahead. They actually wrote that their baseline forecast actually suggests that year over year shelter inflation in the US will continue to slow through late 2024 and it may even turn negative by mid 2024 and that we could actually see the most severe contraction in shelter inflation in the US since the global financial crisis of 2007-2009. So that could be good news. We will see today what the data tells us, but the idea of further Federal Reserve interest rate hike is obviously not helping sentiment in bond markets, especially since Fitch downgraded the US credit rating from AAA to AA+, while I was gone on vacation. So that's obviously bad news. That's bad news for two major reasons. First, it's bad news because a lower credit rating means that the US should now compensate for the higher risk 
risks that investors take while investing, while buying the U.S. government bonds. So it's obviously an additional upside pressure on the U.S. yield curve. And all this combined to the Federal Reserve interest rate hikes. Well, we know that the U.S interest payments will actually become an increasingly growing burden for the U.S. And in numbers, it's quite scary, the U.S. spends 1.8 billion U.S. dollars of interest payments every single day. And according to Peter Peterson Foundation, this number will double in the next decade for the U.S. And interest payments will actually become the fastest growing part of the U.S. federal budget. So it's huge. And the thing is, well, the U.S. government debt is still somehow considered as one of the lowest risk assets in the market. So the fact that it gets downgraded has obviously a heavy impact on all markets altogether across the globe. And if that's not enough for you, well, Moody's also downgraded credit ratings for 10 small and mid-sized U.S. banks in the U.S. after the March bank stress. Uh, they cited higher funding costs, potential regulatory capital weaknesses, and risks tied to commercial real estate loans. Wow, that's bad. And speaking of banks, well, Italian banks also sold off earlier this week. I'm sure you saw it on news of a new windfall tax in Italy that triggered some actually risk-averse inflows into bonds this week until Italy issued a clarification of its new tax on banks' windfall profits. They actually said that, well, calm down, guys, the impacts may be limited for some banks and the levy won't exceed 0.1% of the firm's assets. Banks, on the other hand, that have already increased the interest rates that they actually offer to their depositors will not have a significant impact as a consequence of the uh, rule approved uh, this week by Italy. Phew! So, the U.S. two-year yield rebounded past the 4.80% level yesterday, while the U.S. 10-year yield is back to around 4% level after a spike that we saw toward the 4.20% mark on Fitch downgrade. In the equities market, the S&P 500 sold off 3% and Nasdaq retreated more than 5% since mid and end of July while I was on vacation, while the mixed earnings from big, big names like Apple and Amazon didn't really help improve sentiment. I mean, some yes, but in some no. Apple, for example, lost almost 10% since its earnings announcement, and that fall certainly weighted grandly on the Nasdaq index. But overall, around 80% of the S&P 500 companies reported better than expected EPS this earning season and that's obviously certainly because the expectations were simply too low because profits for example fell around five percent last quarter it's not great obviously but it's better than around seven to nine percent expected by analysts when we were walking into this earnings season and you know you still globally a rotation from big technology to energy and industry will likely still remain the main investment topics of the next few weeks and that even though energy companies were actually hit by the base effect last quarter and released some less impressive results than the quarters that we saw before. On the other hand, seasonality also plays against equities overall until around mid-October, where we could finally start seeing some fresh, fresh positive pressure and buying pressure moving forward. And well, speaking of energy, Saudi Arabia extended its unilateral 1 million barrel per day oil production cut in August. And 
Japan in September and well, the country said that it could be prolonged or even deepened. So that was bad news for the oil bears. Oil prices kept rising. The barrel of US crude further with the $85 per barrel level at yesterday's trading session. Anyway, back to our most important topic of today. Inflation in the US, which is due to be released in a couple of hours from now, is expected to have rebounded from 3 to 3.3% in July. And co-inflation in the US may have steadied at around the 4.8% level. Now, any bad surprise on the US inflation front could actually revive the Federal Reserve hawks today. But we are far, far from pricing another interest rate hike in September in the US just yet. Elsewhere, while the Chinese indices were up and down these past couple of days, they were up thanks to the measures that the Chinese government announced to investors to actually support the Chinese economy and boost growth. And they were down because of, well, plunging export and import numbers. They were down because of the deflation worries in China following a round of you know soft trade CPI and PPI numbers since the start of this week. And they are actually also down due to the jitters that the US could actually limit investments to China. China. Now, one interesting point for the Chinese equities is that the Chinese stock market actually shows decorrelation from the stock markets of developed economies. So the million yuan question now is, could that decorrelation and or the Chinese stimulus measures help investors temper the bad news on the economic data front or their loss of confidence in Xi's government? Well, it could be actually Crane Shares CSI China Internet ETF sold $342 million of inflows last week, and that was apparently the biggest weekly inflow in 14 months. But be careful still if you are also considering some risk diversification by entering Chinese stocks in the next few weeks because the jaw-dropping impressive growth numbers are probably not in China's new future as the Chinese population is shrinking. The real estate crisis actually fuels the local debt crisis as well. And we also have the news that country gardens potential default on its debt is now making the headlines and that's not good news for the property market for China. And on the other hand, investor and consumer confidence in the Chinese government will actually take some time to actually be restored ever restored again and the further restrictions of US investments in China as is suggested by the latest news especially in cutting edge sectors like artificial intelligence and quantum computing or you know semiconductors could actually further dampen appetite for the Chinese stock so voila this is all for today. I'm Ipeka Skardishkaya and thank you for joining me today. I hope this episode of Market Talk has been helpful and it has been insightful to you. So please do not hesitate to leave your comments, your reactions and your questions below as usual. And follow us on Instagram, on X and on LinkedIn for regular market updates and subscribe of course to our youtube channel for daily market comments i will meet you again tomorrow and until then good day trading